The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Two men come, and they stand before the temple of God. Two of us, two of us come to church. We come to church, and we walk toward the altar. We kiss the icons. Two of us come to church. One of us, on the way in, looks at everybody as he comes by and evaluates them, assesses their spirituality, assesses who they are as a human being, and then judges them. One of them looks at himself and weeps. All he can do is weep. And so it is this morning, just like every divine liturgy in every Orthodox church around the world, the priest himself approaches the altar. And how does he approach the altar? The priest comes and he stands in front of the table, vested in fine gold gilt crosses, jingling as he goes, incense all around him. He comes and he lifts up his hands and he prays as the choir sings. He prays, we who mystically represent the cherubim and sing the thrice holy hymn to the life-creating trinity, let us now lay aside all earthly care that we may receive the King of glory who comes invisibly upborne by the angelic host. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It is a holy moment. You have one who has been ordained to be a priest of God standing before God himself. It is man meeting, coming before, and talking to God. It is a, an encounter between the holy God and man as his priest. And in that moment, which we will see in a bit, each one of us is priest. Yet in his heart, each of us priests. Each of us priests knows who he really is. In his heart, each of us knows that he is a sinner and that he is dust and ashes except for the grace of God. For in that moment as we stand before God, as we encounter him, we know that there is no place to hide for he knows everything and we are standing in front of him. And so what does the priest do in that moment? He senses the entire church. Once again, if you look at it from the outside, it appears to be sort of an act of finery, an act of, of, um, of uh, ceremony. He senses the entire church with a beautiful gold censer but as he goes, do you know what he's saying? As he senses, he prays Psalm 51. Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance, a psalm of the acknowledgement of yourself as a sinner. He repents of his sins as he goes. 
For in the kingdom of God, the path to salvation begins when we bring our failure and our sin into the light before God. For whether we really know it or not, and most folks act like they don't know it, there is no sin that is hidden. There is no sin that is private. Because who do you think knows? The one who we stand before knows everything. And if we are to be purified from that sin that we know we have, we must first see our sin and confess it. And so today, each of us come to the church. Each one of us comes to that same temple of God. And we come, we have the option of being like one or the other of the two men in the parable. We stand at the door of the temple of the living God, Pharisee and publican. Each one knows and believes that the Lord is in this place. Both believe in God, but see how differently they approach him. Years ago, I compared the Pharisee to Fonzie on that old TV show, Happy Days. Now, many of you are probably too young to know who Fonzie was. Fonzie was kind of a, a real cool guy at the high school, and, and uh, he'd, he'd come up to the mirror, and he'd start to comb his hair, and he'd all of a sudden go, Hey, it's perfect. And so it is that the Pharisee looks at himself in the mirror. He looks at himself in the mirror and he says, Hey, it's perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look in my mirror, I do not see perfection. Now, who among you sees perfection when he looks in the mirror? Or she? Especially you she's. I know you spend a long time in front of the mirror. Actually, men spend a lot of time there, too. But we don't see perfection when we look in the mirror. If we really look into our eyes especially, we don't see perfection. We can look at the cosmetic part of it, but it's in those eyes that we know that we are not perfect. Like Fonzie combing his hair, the Pharisee looks and finds himself flawless. Nothing to work on here. He is so confident that when he prays, it is as if, he is talking to himself. In the gospel it said, he prayed with himself. I mean, what, think about that for a minute. He prayed to himself, it sounds like almost. He is so confident. It is like that old, forgive me for another cultural reference, but it's like that old country western song, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. When the Pharisee compares himself to his neighbor, his bosom swells with pride. He becomes puffed up. It is, if he it is as if he says, I am so very orthodox, and you are not. Do we dare be like that? Do we dare puff up to the broken one coming in the door and say to that broken one coming in the door, I'm so very orthodox, and you are not. How do we greet that publican at our door? Far off at the side of the entry of the temple, 
his neighbor, the publican, stands and he can't even look up because he's crying so hard. His life, both inside and out, is a mess. He has been so scarred by the failure of his sins, those sins that he cannot hide, and there is no cosmetic that he can look in the mirror and mask the blemishes with. He can't prepare himself with spiritual clearasil on the way to church. He cannot mask the blemishes. And there is no salve that he has in his medicine chest to salve the sting of the pain that he feels in his heart. He knows his sin, and his sin is ever before him. Which one of those two is on the road to salvation? The one who knows his sin. Now from childhood, both of these good men, both of these Jews, the Pharisee and the publican, they had heard the cantor in the synagogue, and if you've ever been to a synagogue service, you know they've got a cantor there and he cants the Psalms, and it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable actually. But both of them from their boyhood had heard the cantor chanting Psalm 51 from the Septuagint. Yet it seems that the Pharisee had heard with his ears, maybe, and the publican had heard with his heart, for he was changed. The publican knew that the word was about him. Those words from the candor stand, those words from the altar, they are not about someone else. They are about me. They penetrate my heart. They are about me. They are about you. The Pharisee was convinced that the word was a judgment about everybody around him not about him. It didn't affect him. When we read in Psalm 51, I won't read the whole thing, but there are a couple verses that really ought to be highlighted. What did he hear? He heard, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Do you know that that's what the priest says, sub-voice, as he, as he senses around? I know my sin and my sin is ever before me. Now we may be enlightened by knowledge here in this place. We may receive orthodoxy. We may receive all the wisdom that God has given to his church, and we might be puffed up with it. But if we are to be not just puffed up, but purified, if we are to be purified of our sin, we must first be freed from that sin by confessing it. We must press on. We read further, and the Lord tells us what it is that he does desire of us in this place. He says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, he himself. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. When we, like the, like the publican, begin to see our sin in the hidden parts, like him, we may be blessed not with satisfaction, not with self-justification, but with tears, with the tears of repentance. Make no mistake, such tears are a gift from God. They are not guilt feelings. They are a gift from God. 
In that moment, we must make no excuses. We must make no rationalizations. We must make no justifications or mitigations. The Lord, I believe, has a deaf ear to our self-justifications. But when we see our sin and it begins to break our heart, then the Lord hears our cries. For us, we cannot know the extent of our sickness to ask for forgiveness unless first we feel the sting of it. So if you feel the sting of it, don't write it off as a guilt feeling. It is a gift from God, that pain that you feel. The blessed, Metro, the blessed confessor, Metropolitan Anthony, observed, the difference between those who are being saved and those who are perishing or are far from salvation lies not so much in the number of their sins, but in their inclination or their lack of inclination to admit that they are guilty and sinful. To paraphrase it, you might say, justify your sins and keep them. Confess your sins and lose them. So we sinners come, we come here to this church, and we stand before the Lord. Do we confess our sins or do we justify ourselves and judge, even worse yet than justifying yourself, do you judge the broken one? I beg you each, before the great entrance with the holy gifts, I beg you that as you see the priest sensing and saying silently Psalm 51, resolve with him in your own heart to confess your sin. Resolve with him that at every turn you will ask for mercy like the publican, and that at every turn you will not be like the Pharisee who judges the broken one that comes in the door. May the Lord grant us each the grace of the brokenness that that one sinner knew. As we move toward Lent, may we go from that brokenness to boldness. For the Lord does not mean for you to stay there broken. The Lord means for you to be transformed into a bold one coming before him. May the tears of that confession turn into confidence as you approach the altar. For the Lord is gracious to, to forgive us who are great sinners. To the glory of God the Father. Amen.